Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is visiting fellow at the Hoover Institute and favorite of the Weekly Standard Podcast, Adam White. Adam, big news when the Supreme Court announced they would take this case uh, to determine whether or not the president uh, is uh, upholding the law uh, regarding immigration, or does he have the power to simply set 5 million illegal immigrants beyond the reach of Congress and the will of the people? It looks pretty interesting to me as a completely uninformed observer. What do you see as a legal expert? Well, this is now instantly the most interesting case of the term. Recall last year we were arguing over the Affordable Care Act, the administration's implementation of it, and same-sex marriage. This year at the court began a little bit more slowly without any real blockbuster cases, uh, but this case now will be the single case of the term that attracts the most attention, and it draws attention once again to these broader questions of the president and his administration's role inside of the constitutional system of government, the checks and balances, and the rule of law. Is that addressed directly, or isn't this simply the states and the people who are affected by the president's decision not to enforce immigration law to seek some relief? Well, what was interesting about the court's grant is they really did reach out for the constitutional issue. Now, in the courts below, the the plaintiffs, the state of Texas and others, are challenging this on a number of grounds. There's the constitutional issue, namely that the president is is failing to uh, to, to carry out his constitutional obligation uh, to see that the laws are faithfully executed. When the lower courts decided, uh, when they reached their decisions and enjoined the uh, the president's program. They didn't need to reach the constitutional issue. They they held that the president's actions, his administration's actions, failed to satisfy the basic requirements of administrative law in terms of putting up new uh, rulemakings and policies for uh, notice and comment and public involvement. They didn't need to reach the constitutional issue. And so when the case reached the Supreme Court, when the Obama administration petitioned the court to hear the case, the only issues that were there really were the administrative law issue and broader questions of jurisdiction, namely whether Texas has standing to bring this case in the first place. Uh, that's an issue I think is fairly frivolous. I think Texas has standing, but it, you know neither party then really teed up the constitutional issue. But in its order this morning, when the Supreme Court reached, agreed to hear the case, they reached out for the constitutional issue. They affirmatively ordered the parties to brief the issue of whether the Obama whether President Obama is carrying out his obligation to see that the laws are faithfully executed. So, so suddenly at, now this is... I was just going to say, as a court observer, what does it tell you that the court asked this question. I assume it only takes one justice to ask that that recurs, or do they have to have a vote uh, on the bench in order to make that request that everyone pony up on the issue of constitutionality? Well, it takes four of the nine justices okay. to take it to take a case, and I think the same rule applies for reaching out for extra issues. Uh, now, the fact that they've reached out for this, does that tell you that the court is essentially just kind of curious to resolve it? Or does it tell you that perhaps some of the justices are concerned that the president has been exceeding his constitutional authority and Congress has been acting like a parliament and simply allowing the president to do whatever he chooses and not upholding their end in the separation of powers? Well, I think it shows that at least four of the justices are interested enough in the issue. And they think it is still is relevant enough at this stage in the case to get the briefing done now. It doesn't mean that they'll necessarily reach the constitutional issue. They could rule against, they could choose to just rule against the administration strictly on the administrative law issues, and then there's no reason for them to take the extra step of the constitutional analysis. But it is very interesting that the court, at least four justices, thought that this issue was worth briefing, uh, briefing now. 
So I assume then if I'm Justice Roberts, uh, I'm going to be insulted by the president a couple more times, so I feel the need to make up with him, so I give him a ruling that he wants. That is how it works now in the Supreme Court, right? Well, maybe. You know, the Chief Justice and President Obama have a pretty interesting relationship when it comes to the Take Care Clause. You might recall that in 2009, at the president's inauguration, there was a moment in the oath of office where the president and the Chief Justice stumbled over the wording. Uh, in fact, the words they were stumbling over were faithful, ex- faithfully execute. And so both the president and the chief justice now have the opportunity to think back and reflect upon exactly what that clause means. I feel like I'm in a reality TV show. Coincidence or something more? But uh, I will so- say, I think, I, I, I'd say that to answer your previous question, I do think the justices are surely cognizant of the broader context of this case. And I don't just mean on immigration. I mean with respect to the separation of powers. The court has now heard a number of cases in recent years involving fundamental questions over uh, the, the, the administration's relationship with Congress. Obviously, there was the Affordable Care Act cases. There have been some EPA cases and others. And I think this case fits into that um, that broader question of the president and the administration's role in constitutional government. But what about the argument that if the president's doing something that Congress doesn't like, that it's the Congress's job to do something about it by you know, controlling the purse, and that it's, the court shouldn't have to get involved in this? The you know, president can say, I want to do X, and the court can say, fine, but we're not going to, I mean, the Congress can say we're not going to pay for it, and that's that. Well, that's a fair that's a fair point, and it is one of the ways in which the constitutional checks and balances are supposed to be carried out. The Congress has its own tools at its disposal to push back against the administration. But Congress isn't the only part of government that's affected by this. The states are directly affected. That's why Texas filed suit. In the in the case below, they they they, they stressed that under current law, under Texas law, that the way they issue driver's licenses, the president's policy immediately subjects Texas to the requirement under existing law, uh, under existing Texas law, to issue driver's licenses to the people that are being sort of waived into the United States by the Obama administration. And that costs Texas about $130 a driver's license, which doesn't sound like a whole lot until you realize, as the court below did, that if even just 25,000 people um, seek a driver's license, you're not talking about millions of dollars. So Texas is right. The Texas's uh, direct financial interests are at stake. Other affected parties' interests are at stake. So it, it's true. Congress can and should do much to push back against the administration, not just on immigration, but on other overreaches of executive and regulatory power. But for the rest of the affected universe, the states, private citizens, others, they do have recourse to the courts. And that's how this case arose. But would it be uh, historically unusual for the court to make a ruling along the lines of, dear Congress, you have failed at your job? Your former willingness to put the uh, separation of powers responsibilities ahead of partisanship are gone. Harry Reid has essentially turned the Senate into a parliament that uh, is led by a presidential prime minister, and our constitutional system can't work that way. So we are going to force you people to do what the Constitution demands. P.S. Straighten up and don't make us do this again. Well, did I just recount verbatim perhaps a previous const- uh, ruling from the Supreme Court? Uh, which one was that, Mike? I don't, I don't know. Any has, has the court ever talked that way? Somehow I think not. Well, there are times when the president of the court has pushed back strongly against the president and made passing references to Congress's own need to stand up for itself. A famous example of this was what was called the steel seizure case. In the 1950s, when Harry Truman tried to nationalize the steel industry amidst the Korean War, the Supreme Court struck, pushed back against that, and in passing, 
the justices, especially Justice Jackson, in a famous separate opinion, said that there's only so much the court can do to save, to, 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 to prevent Congress from giving away its power. Ultimately, Congress needs to stand up for itself. It wouldn't surprise me if the court in this case, assuming they, does, they do rule against the administration, and, and Lord knows we don't know how this case is going to sort out on the merits, but if the court did rule against the administration, one or more justices may well see fit to remind Congress of its own powers and duties here. But at the same time, the court is regularly in the business, and federal courts are regularly in the business of overseeing the work of the agencies and striking, often striking down agency rules and policies. That's just part of the court's work. And under the Administrative Procedure Act, as a statutory matter, these cases go to the courts for review. And so it's not the fact that the court would be pushing back against the agency is not in and of itself sort of a implicit um, admission of Congress's failure, but it certainly does provide a useful opportunity for the court and the American people to remind Congress of its own powers and duties. Adam White, uh, visiting fellow at the Hoover Institute, thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.